Great coaches ask great questions. Days at work are the days when the light bulb goes on for somebody else. Well, hello and welcome to On It, Not In It, the interview series. I'm your host, Todd Eppert, and today I'm joined by Daniel Fernback, who is the co-founder of Juggerbot 3D. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us. Would you like to kick us off with a brief background as to who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Todd. Uh, my name is Dan Fernback. I'm one of the co-founders and vice president at Juggerbot 3D, uh, where we make industrial-grade 3D printers that are pretty uniquely capable of processing a wide variety of materials. Uh, so I'm from Youngstown, Ohio, originally. I went to school for uh, engineering and always had a pretty strong um, passion for making things. I always just thought that was cool, which kind of drove me down an engineering path uh, when I was deciding what I wanted to pursue in college. Um, I think simultaneously, it's important to note that I also have seen a lot of um, entrepreneurs that I could aspire to that I can kind of, you know, um, use as a frame of reference, including both of my parents. Uh, so my dad was a construction worker, um, a laborer in the trades here locally, but uh, his night and weekend gig for a long time when we were growing up, he had his own excavating business. So um, when I was I don't know, from six until probably 10, he would take me on the weekends every once in a while and he'd let me run the back coat and dig holes around in a safe way, in a safe way to dig holes. And <laughs> it kind of got a, a glance to to see, you know, him, I hate these word hustle, but to have that that uh, that side gig that he used that, that you know, helped provide for our family. And uh, I always just really admired that. I thought that was cool. At the same time, my mom, um, so she, before... My sisters and I were born, she worked for a bank and um, she worked in sales then afterwards for what is kind of like a startup and fax machines before fax, you know, when fax machines were really just on the up and up. Um, and then when we were, when we were all born and, and she was predominantly at home taking care of us, raising us, she had uh, a couple of different businesses, one of which was like a muffin business. So she would go and, and buy muffins and have them delivered to different offices and stuff. So it was just always really cool and something that I think was reinforced at a young age that I always kind of aspired to. So uh, starting a business um, was kind of an easy choice. It's something I think I've always been programmed to do and kind of serendipitously it, it overlapped at a time where 3D printing was uh, showing a lot of potential, getting a lot of attention in the greater manufacturing landscape so that's the, the short answer for it yeah yeah i love that love that a couple things you said that i want to touch base on first and foremost first your your mom was on the cutting edge of selling what we call fax machines half our listeners probably don't even know what a fax machine is <laughs> <laughs> yeah right? it's funny we, we we have parallels in like hey this is where the adoption curve is for our specific type of 3d printing and she's like oh yeah that was the same when we were selling fax machines back in like the 80s and like <laughs> wait yeah that's classic. Uh, and then the second thing you talked about was being on a on a backhoe when you're six, seven, eight years old. Uh, what what kind of young man doesn't want to be digging holes with big machines when they're little oh, yeah. kids? Yeah, it was so, so cool. I, I love that. Um, and so uh, it sounds like that was kind of in your DNA from like business ownership from your parents. But was there something that really kicked you from, hey, I've got this engineering degree, I should probably go into the corporate world or 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 what was there something that pushed you into starting your business? Yeah, so we kind of did it in parallel. When I say we, it's myself and um, our, our co-founders here at Juggerbot. 
Um, so I know we started the company with three co-founders. We all met while pursuing our undergraduate degrees at Youngstown State University. And um, those, the other two guys, Zach and Jimmy, they both have a kind of similar, similar upbringing. I have a very entrepreneurial family, a lot of like blue collar, but hardworking people that you know, kind of led down a similar path. And uh, so it wasn't really hard for us to say, oh, we'd want to start a business at some point in time. What was really a catalyst to us was um, the announcement that America makes, which is the national accelerator for additive manufacturing, that that would be located in Youngstown, Ohio. And that took place our, like the latter half of our sophomore year, our second year in school. So we were um, we were in a manufacturing engineering course at that point in time. And our professor, Dr. Wallace, Dr. Darrell Wallace, he sees a shout out to Dr. Wallace. He was um, instrumental in creating the proposal that would bring America Makes here. And I think he was really um, had a lot of good vision in terms of how 3D printing could be applied beyond prototyping. Because 3D printing has been around for a long time. Um, but he saw it as something that could make a big impact you know, in a tool room or on a production floor or in like austere environments. And it just so happened that while all this was coming to fruition, he was our he was our instructor in that class. So in addition to learning about injection molding and casting and, and CNC machining, we learned a lot about additive manufacturing and how that could be applied, again, in a more non-traditional way at that point. Um, so then the whole city really, uh, YSU, the Youngstown Business Incubator, America Makes, they really... Um, embraced the opportunity to create a hub in 3D printing here in Youngstown in our hometown. And uh, the three of us, myself, Jimmy and Zach, we really started thinking about how we could build a manufacturing business centered around additive. And um, that's that was kind of the, the first uh, effort that we made, I should say investigation we made to truly understand problems that existed in the 3D printing space at that point in time. To put it short, it was a matter of um, capabilities from the machine, the the speed and the reliability at which they can make products. And, and a big one, which still kind of exists, is the materials that were available and compatible with 3D printing, 3D printers at that point in time. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So I, actually, that's a, it's, it's a great story from the Youngstown perspective. There's so many towns uh, in the Midwest and what are the old, you know, the iron belt, so to speak, manufacturing belt that was all automotive at one point. Uh, a lot of them got crushed. Some of these small towns got really hammered by changes in economic conditions, outsourcing, and the effort and energy to really bring the technological field back into our country. And the fact that Youngstown stepped up and got uh, that center around that small community uh, is awesome. And the fact that you were there in school with a professor that was making it happen, very cool, very good timing. It, it speaks to the fact that um, many, many entrepreneurs um, the, the secret of being an entrepreneur, in my opinion, is when there is a problem, they don't see it as a problem, they see it as a challenge. Mm -hmm. And what do I need to do to overcome that challenge? And if I can do that, that's how the small business world gets created. The people Absolutely. that see it as a problem, they just complain about it and do nothing about it. And then, then nothing sure. happens. So, so I love that story. Thanks for sharing that. So so let's take you back. So you're, you said your title's VP. So what is your focus in the business? You got two other partners. What is your specific focus as a VP in the organization? So my, my focus is really on the commercial side of the business. It's all sales, marketing, and the commercial side of product management. Um, you know, we were until right now we have 17 full-time employees. Um, a year ago, we had eight. And then two years ago, there was five of us. So we still wear a lot of hats. Like nobody, um, we're, we're very engineering heavy with the terms of our organization. But 
everybody does more than just whatever the title is. Um, so I'd say I'm the commercial guy for most parts, but really, you know, if the trash needs taken out, if we need to haul stuff, if, if we need to set up a booth or whatever, that's, we'll, 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 uh, coordinate how we need to It's changing a little bit as we continue to bring more people on board, you know, kind of a good growing pain to have is everybody can focus more on what they've been hired to do and function in that specific area, but we're not big enough yet where it's just one thing. Got it. Got it. That, yeah, that, that makes total sense. And the multi-hat wearing is common in the in entrepreneur world, like you said. So, so what are some, so you, you started your business a few years ago. Uh, what are some, what are some mis misconceptions that are pretty common to business ownership? Like when you started out, I, I have, you know, I'm going to have all this control or I'm going to make all this money. What was the misconception that you fell prey to that you're like, well, that's just not true. <laughs> Man, there's a lot of things that we've learned a lot. I think that was one of the biggest um, one of the things that has helped us out is that we're all pretty persistent. We're all very curious by nature. So this is a, this is a journey and it's a, a um, huge learning experience, not just within careers, but life, say life in a more broad view, right? You learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about um, aspects of your field. You think, you know, really well. And then things that are outside your field that you're, you know, you're like, Oh, I can figure that out. I, I know how to do marketing. When you start getting into the weeds, and understand what the discipline includes, you have a much greater appreciation for the people who are proficient in those spaces and the value that it contributes to a, you know, a, a building or growing team. Yeah, that is excellent perspective. So yeah, so what I think I hear you saying is, sure, put on any hat you think you need to take on as the entrepreneur, but when you figure out that there's probably smarter people that can do it with much more greater accuracy and capability, maybe it's time to think about bringing on somebody whether it's a contractor or a full-timer that you need to really do the specialty that they're good at as well. So Absolutely. Yeah, cool. I think, I think one, maybe one more one that's pretty um, relevant to our business. Cause we're, we make big pieces of equipment. Our machines are, they'd be categorized by most people as large format 3d printers. And we've developed a, a unique set of capabilities from an extrusion standpoint and from a control standpoint with some of our partners um, that really position us well within where the current landscape's at but it's pretty capital intensive, right? So I think, especially when we started the business in 2014, originally, there was a lot of VC money and a lot of people putting, you know, getting huge investments with just a concept or just some IP, not really a, a vetted business model or a proven product. And that was the perception. We're like, we have to go raise, you know, $25 million to be able to get to a point where we can even get into the market. And, um, that didn't end up happening where we have raised some seed money. We were very fortunate to be in the community that we're in and uh, that's helped us get to a point where we are developed products, but we're largely bootstrapped. We're largely funded by the money that comes in. And in a way, you know, I think like on the, if I, if I think back to the mentality I had when I was 21 and we started this, I would have been like, there's no way we're going to, we're going to be able to get to where we need to get to without having capital. But in hindsight, that's almost helped us because you really have you're forced to really look at the things that matter at the time they matter. If that makes sense, you're really forced to address those issues and focus on those applications because you don't have the bandwidth to do every little thing under the sun. Even if that seems like you can, you're you know the the business that you're in, like it could serve a lot of different um, a lot of different customers. And it's really been helpful in in getting to where we're at today. Yeah, and that does totally make sense. So yeah, so a lot of entrepreneurs have to start with nothing like you guys did, others get some seed money. Sometimes it's a blessing and a curse, right? You got to figure out, that, you know, you can't just go blow all your seed money if you get it and then not get results. You guys have had to have to figure out how to get results because you didn't have that seed money. And that, Absolutely. that makes a ton of sense, ton of sense. So, 
So, uh, okay, 10 years in, uh, you've gone through the pandemic. You said you've gone from five to eight to now 17 employees just in the last three years. So what are the current biggest challenges you're facing today? Um, so we, good question. I think, I think one of the big things is now that we are starting to hit a, a greater stride, we're getting into uh, scaled up production. So there's obviously a capital piece of that, but the bigger ones are having the best people on board in their respective positions to help us get to the next milestone that we have in, in mind, right? So uh, in addition, our, our we call our core product right now, our Tradesman Series P344. That's the machine that is commercially available. We actually launched that in March of 2020. It's doing very well for us. We have a challenge on that front to be able to take that into uh, a scaled up, like really on the growth curve, we're looking at scaling up production and the services surrounding that. And we have a really clear vision of how we want to do that and what that needs to look like. It's execution on that front. At the same time, we know that there's additional opportunity that's being underserved and there's additional opportunity to diversify the products that we offer in the next two to three years. So we started to seg basically create an additional group and have some, some division of responsibility to what we call our technology development group focused on, you know, the tools and technologies that are going to be really critical and necessary in like three to five years. So having you know, more plates spinning at the same time and making sure that we're all focused in the areas that matter and are conducive to the overall strategy of the of the company, like the end goal. That's been uh, a fun challenge, but a challenge nevertheless. Got it. Got it. Excellent. So, so again, I think what I hear you talking about is you mentioned the word diversification, maybe scalability. Like how much can we take on without letting any of those spinning plates hit the ground, right? Exactly. It's a, yeah. it's a it's a it's definitely a balancing act of of the growth versus the scalability versus the diversification of your product. So I hear that it's good. Um, okay, so let's. Uh, you've been through the pivot of the of the pandemic, but candidly, I, everybody looks at that and says, "Oh my gosh, you know, whatever." The fact of the matter is that the business landscape is constantly evolving. Now, sometimes it's drastic, like a, a pivot moment that happens in a pandemic. Uh, but but it's always changing. So we're always having these outside forces that are changing on us. Once we just finally get adjusted, there's a new one that comes along. So how do you stay adaptable? How do you stay innovative and open to that change that's coming at you? Yeah, I mean, the, the simple answer is don't get too comfortable in any position. Don't get to, don't get content. Right. Um, we try to really focus on the culture of the company from a, from the when we first started off, started the company and we were building things in garages and meeting in coffee shops and stuff it was the same mentality we always knew that regardless of how the company panned out culture would make a huge difference so we really try to enforce that um, we want to make sure that everybody has a platform to share their ideas and to share their concerns because it's kind of a two-way we don't want anybody that that feels like they're maybe being left out or more so unclear of why we're doing what we're doing we want to make sure that they have a chance to kind of voice that and make sure that we have uh, some kind of structure in place so that um, that that there's good communication internally, even from cross disciplines and cross teams, cross product focus, uh, because ultimately that's that's something that's going to fuel us in a big way. We also partner very closely with um, other vendors in the space. So we're the term we use is material agnostic. You can use third party materials. We partner very closely with material companies, and when we uh, we win over a customer. We treat that more like a partnership because ultimately their needs are going to drive where we need to go. And that's always a moving target to your point. Okay. Excellent. So uh, yeah. So don't get comfortable. I think I heard you say, I also heard you say yeah. uh, treat even your suppliers like partners, right? You're in yeah. the culture is really, really important. Uh, so excellent to hear that. 
Uh, okay, so you've also thrown out some other like uh, nuggets for us to kind of maybe dig into a little bit without sharing any, obviously, intellectual property or any company secrets or anything that's not public knowledge yet. Can you offer a glimpse into that future? You talked about having some capabilities three to five years out. Can you offer anything of where do you think the business is going? What's next for you and your entrepreneurial journey? Anything like that? Yeah, so um, for me specifically, I'm always looking at ways to grow into, you know, I keep looking more about how my entrepreneurial journey um, impacts like the rest of my life. Cause that's a huge part of what we do here. And in the past 10 years, since we started this, like all of us have gotten married, all the, all the co-founders have gotten married. Uh, I don't have any kids yet, but at some point in time that, that hopefully happens, uh, Zach has kids. Um, so you start to learn more about balance and maintaining the same kind of, you know, ambitious and focus you have in one place, but trying to do a better job of maybe segmenting that from the rest of your life because it's important. It's especially as it pertains to like sustainability and not getting burned out. That's a good, that's an important balance to have. Um, but I'm, I would consider myself decent at what I do, but I know I could be really good at this and I want to be really good at this. So leaning on the guys that the team we have here internally, and then just um, trying to look for additional ways to expand on, the things I have learned so far uh, for me personally, from a company standpoint, we want to be the premier industrial 3d printer partner across the globe. So right now where I'd say um, our segment is a small fish in the greater pond of 3d printing. We want to be the big fish in that pond and we want to be the big fish in that pond as it expands globally. So not just this, you know, not just the single location in Youngstown, Ohio with 17 people and machines now that have reached both coasts in the United States and we've got some business in Canada, but to be able to branch out into eventually Europe and into uh, like the oceanic region um, from a, from a maybe more generalized business view, technology wise, our machine, our, our P344 has a build volume of three foot by four foot by four foot. And we're really good at being able to process um, production grade thermoplastics and thermoplastic composites. And the, the marriage of those two things really creates this unique solution that's um, that's placing 3D printing into applications that historically have been a bad fit. So we will likely be coming out with a even larger system and enhanced material compatibility that branches not only into thermoplastics, but into thermosets as well. So more Excellent. diversified, but same, same kind of same kind of dealings, just staying close to our customers, learning and partaking in the development of um, standards and qualification for those really critical applications. That's going to be a big, um, a big point of focus for us. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. So thanks. So more on that diversification. And I love what you just said, which was, I think, really, really key for folks to understand. Listen to your customers, Right. Um, don't listen to every customer because everybody's going to have a lot of different ideas. And if you listen to everybody, then you get so ragged to try to solve everybody's problems, but listen to the ones that are really driving the industry and what you think you can do and what, what, what challenges can they present that you can then continue to grow your business through that. That's an excellent comment. So, so you've been dropping a little bit of this along the way, but specifically what advice would you offer to anyone that's thinking about starting a business or maybe someone that's already started, but maybe struggling right now? Um, you know, I, I don't know that the entrepreneurial life is the life for everybody. I don't think there's anything wrong with not being an entrepreneur, first and foremost. Um, I think that there's 
plenty of ways to make a living that are that you can be proud of, that you can enjoy and be fulfilled in that's not doing something like this. For those that decide to jump into it, just enjoy the journey, be persistent. There's going to be plenty of challenges. You're going to fail. Failure is the best way to learn. Uh, sometimes it hurts, but um, if you can fail fast, you're you're much better for it. That's a great comment. Fail fast and get back up, right? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, hey, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. It was great meeting you, learning more about your business as well as your entrepreneurial journey. To everyone listening and watching, we will see you on the next episode. Thanks again, Daniel. Thanks, Todd.